Welcome to Staying Ageless Podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Associe, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we will be talking about Ayurveda 101, Understanding Pitta. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys a little background on the Pitta Dosha and how I use Ayurveda in my practice. And later, we'll be chatting with our expert for today, Acharya Shunya, a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in Uganda, Mozambique, South Africa, the UK, France, Germany, Canada, Poland. I appreciate you all. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and write a review. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Okay, y'all. Today, again, we are talking about one of my favorite things to nerd out on, which is Ayurveda. In case you have never heard of it, Ayurveda is a system of medicine which has been around for thousands of years and originates from India. I did an intro to Ayurveda episode, so if you missed that one, you can go all the way back to that one and then come on back and listen to this. In Ayurveda, every individual is unique. There is no diet or lifestyle routine that works for all. So it's really true bio-individuality, which is a huge part of why I love working with it. Ayurveda focuses on prevention, and all the advice given is to maintain physical and emotional health. Food and lifestyle routines are the most important prescription. And in Ayurveda, we have three energies or doshas that define every single person's makeup. We all have all three, but usually have two of the energies that are the most dominant. The three doshas are pitta, vata, and kapha. And as I mentioned in that intro episode, in my practice, I use a variety of body typing methods together to help me understand my clients, to get to the bottom of what diet is best for them. And learning their dosha, without a doubt, gives me so much information about how to approach their case and tailor my recommendations to them individually so they can heal. Things to note about your doshas are doshas are dynamic. And they can change in response to weather, external conditions or stress. And our habits, the food and the lifestyle choices that we make, are actually manifestations of our doshas. So negative habits, long-term, obviously lead to an imbalance, which then leads to disease. In Ayurveda, when a dosha is increased or imbalanced, a person will usually crave foods or habits that will continue to increase that dosha. So usually you're going to crave the completely wrong things. <laughs> Understanding your dosha can give you a major key to knowing yourself and provide clues for what needs to be addressed when your energy gets out of whack and also give you some clarity on what habits can throw you off of balance. All right, so we went into the doshas a bit in the intro to Ayurveda episode, but for the next three episodes, what we're going to do is we're going to break each dosha down in more depth. Today, we are talking about Pitta. I'm super excited. Pitta is my dosha. I am Pitta Vata, and Pitta is the most predominant in in, uh, my constitution. Pitta is the energy that controls metabolic systems, including digestion, absorption, nutrition, and body temperature. Pitta means that which digests things or that which heats, cooks, or transforms. It is the fire that digests the food that we eat or gives our bodies warmth. 
The person with a pitta predominant in his or her constitution is blessed with great willpower, initiative, the capacity to laugh at their troubles, great determinations to reach their goals, penetrating mind, and usually good digestive fire. Pitta is our enthusiasm for life, our joy and laughter, and it finds negative expression in burning sensations in the body and mind, a drive towards unhealthy competition and anger, and the need to control. Child, say that again. I have to avoid all those things. <laughs> Pitta's main locations are small intestines, stomach as digestive acids, the blood, eyes, sweat, sebaceous glands, and the qualities of Pitta are hot, sharp, flowing, light, oily, smooth, aggressive, and penetrating. Pitta rules transformation, the phase of life that we call adulthood, metabolism, spicy tastes, um, and the times of days it rules are noon and midnight, and the seasons it rules are late spring and summer. Some common Pitta disorders or health imbalances that can happen to Pittas include things like excess hunger, thirst, burning sensations in the body, difficult restless sleep, heat or overheating, fever, inflammation, herpes, eczema, rashes, styes or red eyes, liver problems, and burning, bleeding ulcers. Pitta predominant people are classic type A's and have a tendency to do too much, which leads to burnout. Child, let me say that again. Pittas have a tendency to do too much which leads to burnout. (laughs) Chronic fatigue and liver issues are also not uncommon among pittas. So this just gives you a general overview, but when we come back from our short break, we're going to speak to our amazing guest who is an amazing expert in Ayurveda. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. Today's guest is Acharya Shunya, a wisdom teacher and a catalyst for empowering health and elevating consciousness worldwide. She's an award-winning and internationally renowned author, speaker, and scholar of non-dual wisdom, and a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda. She's the first female head of her 2,000-year-old Indian Vedic spiritual lineage, and she provides a rare opportunity to receive authentic teachings from a genuine Vedic master. Acharya Shunya is the president of the Awakened Self Foundation with its international headquarters in California and founder of the spiritual and philanthropic nonprofit Vedika Global. Her top-rated Shadow to Self podcast, award-winning Alchemy with Ayurveda program, and her signature offerings, currently unfolding on the theme of sovereign life, are creating shifts in consciousness and improving health. Acharya Shunya is the author of best-selling book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, a complete prescription to optimize your health, prevent disease, live with vitality and joy. 
which was acclaimed amongst top 10 books in alternative medicine in its year of publication. Her second book, Sovereign Self, Claim Your Inner Joy and Freedom with the Empowering Wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita, is a comprehensive guide to yoga's most influential texts, making their profound teachings both accessible and immediately practical for modern seekers. Her third book, which is slated for release in January 2022, is Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Unapologetic Power, Propensity, and Purpose. Acharya Shunya, thank you so much for um, joining us for the podcast today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Likewise, thank you for having me on. Ayurveda, I'm fascinated by it. And I've been, with the little knowledge that I've had, I've been using it actually a lot in my practice because I find it super helpful for me to understand my clients. So what I would love is to go deeper into, well, first of all, how how did you come to Ayurveda? Is it just culturally a part of your life or did you uh, fall into studying it through a certain path? So, so I would say it was both. I think karma ensured that I was born in a family. These kind of families are rare, where the knowledge of Ayurveda has been cultivated, lived, practiced, transmitted for generations, centuries. Mm. And when I was born there, you know, I, I, I thought it's a regular family, except there were people always coming in and out of our large house. And my grandfather was a famous teacher and healer. And amongst a whole bunch of students, he did pay more attention to me and he did gift me his entire lineage at some point. And I am the first female leader of a 2,000-year-old lineage. Wow. And And it's a beautiful opportunity and I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. I'm in my 50s now and I teach for students worldwide. That's amazing. How would you define Ayurveda for someone who has no idea what it is about? We like to break up the word Ayurveda into two, Ayur and Veda. And Ayur represents um, life, the paradigm of existence, mental, physical, sensorial, spiritual, existential. And Veda means the knowledge of how to be in the groove of life and live the life in such a way that we can actually be happy. And we may age, but we don't need dramatic diseases and surprises and and also mental afflictions and depression. So it's really a, it's really a, the art of living in such a way that you can live in a healthy way. And one of the basic axiom of Ayurveda versus Western medicine or probably any other medicine is that we're not trying to construct health. We are trying to reclaim it from within. So what Ayurveda says is that there is some inherent health that's always in, in us. There is mm. some part of us that's always unbroken. So if we make certain lifestyle and food choices, we'll, you know, we'll start, we'll start activating that coda of health. Mm. And that's mm. what's wonderful. And that's why I have countless cases worldwide who've surprised by how they defeated their prognosis and and are living healthy lives. Hmm. Explain to us the doshas and how those work. So I know that we are all made up of the doshas in a sense, but then also it applies to our environment. It applies to time of day. There just seems to be so many ways that the doshas apply. 
Yeah, those shows are too. Ayurvedic medicine, what qi is to Chinese medicine in a really simple way. And doshas are bodies of energy, but unlike qi, which is one, we break up the dosha into three kinds known as vata, pitta, and kapha. And vata dosha uh, takes care of the body's movements. When in health, everything is effortless from movement of thoughts to movement of blood or whatever in the body. But if it's disturbed, it will cause diseases around physical and emotional motion of, you know, movement within the being. And Pitta Dosha manages metabolism and transformation. So at a gross level, it would digest food. At a subtle level, it helps us digest life impressions. But when Mm. Pitta is disproportionate, then... Uh, you know, we become irritable and frustrated and challenged emotionally and physically. We might develop heartburn or heart flashes or inflammation. Apadosha, when in health, uh, gives us structure, form, vitality, immunity, good body fat, not excessive, and uh, kind of a personable, protective feel. But when kapha dosha is disturbed, it can lead to heaviness in the body, lethargy, depression in the mind, buildup of fluids, water retention, and just like too much, you know, Mm. from obesity to sadness and grief that's uncontrollable. And when we know these doshas, the fun part is that we just have to tweak our food and lifestyle asosa to bring the doshas back into balance, and presto, we thought we were depressed clinically, but we have <laughs> dosha, or we thought we were, you know, we triggered some major genetic inflammation, and all it was was pitta dosha, or we thought we developed arthritis or anxiety disorder, but it was just really vata dosha. And this is the part which sets people free because they actually have the tools through lifestyle and food modification that I teach in my book and through my classes, that people can then just do simple things and kind of keep the doshas in check, like three little kids, you know? They can hmm. play, but they can play within a boundary. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. And I think that's why I love it so much. I find it so helpful, even right? if you yeah. just understood it yourself. You could just understand how better to manage your own body. Totally. So, so one doesn't need to do like a PhD. <laughs> better. One can read like one book right, <laughs> or half a book, but hopefully one full book and start experimenting. And yeah, and, and you've noticed ch- changes and people, it empowers people, the average person. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. So when it comes to, when it comes to environment and time of day, like how much does that matter? I just find it interesting that some people say that there's a certain type time of morning or time, you know, time of day that corresponds to kapha or a certain time of day that corresponds to vata. How much does that matter? Matters a lot because there is a basic axiom in Ayurvedic medicine, which says, and I'm going to just say something in Indian language, Sanskrit, an ancient language, mm-hmm. which Ayurveda is recorded, but it says, Yatha Brahmanda, Tatha Pindanda, which literally means 
as is the environment or nature around you. It could be a social environment of your family, or it could be the natural environment of time of the day or a season, humidity, mm. heat, pressure, and your body is a mirror of all of that. Hmm. So to pretend that none of this matters and we can eat a mono diet or indulge ourselves as we want, you know. But if you look at nature, Sosa, you know, all animals make tweaks to their eating habits based on season and amount of sunlight being received because there are connections between the sunlight, the brain, the gut. And all of this was known by Ayurveda. So it lays down in great details. It breaks up the year into two-month units of seasonal change, and it gives us exhaustive details. And I've had students who've had allergies all their life or, Hmm. you know, or, or they will get like a herpes breakout in fall. And then I just tell them live, live 12 months with me broken into six seasonal units and Mm -hmm. all this wisdom, which is like given with such detail in my book and in through my classes. But then Mm -hmm. I go, you know, just, just do this really simply. And you don't even have to follow it hundred percent. Even if you followed it 60%, you know, Mm. You will see that the next time that that year, that season comes around where you're challenged, you'll suddenly realize you didn't have a herpes breakout and you didn't have those allergies that you thought get you every spring. What changed here? What changed here was that you were following nature's book. Now, Hmm. animals and fishes seem to understand nature's books, but you and I, humans, we need Ayurveda to to read the pages of Ayurveda to remember because we've forgotten. Yeah. Hmm. Let's go deep into Pitta. I'm actually Pitta, so I'm very fascinated. I, I would like to. <laughs> Pitta is my dominant dosha. What are the qualities of Pitta that we need to be concerned with? You talked a little bit about like, you know, when off balance, you get, you know, um, anger happens, inflammation happens, etc. And then what are the seasons we need to most pay attention to if we do in order to stay balanced? Well, it's, you know, Ayurveda makes it really easy and we can break down the dosha into some building block qualities. And one of the qualities of Pitta dosha is heat. Mm-hmm. One is sharpness. Mm-hmm. Our third one is oiliness. So mm. let's stick with these three qualities for the sake of the podcast. And so anything that's hot, whether it's a hot cup of tea mm-hmm. uh, or, or spending time in the garden in the hot sun mm-hmm. or hot sauna, maybe an indulgence, one too many saunas. But if you already have pitta inside you, like will increase like. So you want to be a little careful because anything that is heating beyond a point, not not all the time, but beyond a point, you will, you know, the, the heat, the like increase like, and you will become very uncomfortable. Mm. Well, second one is oiliness. So there is a slight oiliness. So the skin is oily, stools are oily, and um, all is well, it's fine, but like one too many oily foods or French fries or... Mm. One feels nauseous that one needs to take a break, Mm. not too much. And thirdly, the sharpness, it's really great. I mean, one has a sharp memory because of pitta, Mm. sharp recollection, sharpness in, you know, 
it is said that pittas are very smart and the smartest mm. people on our planet. That sharpness is very helpful, but sometimes that sharpness can be in the mind and mm-hmm. the mind kind of can't relax. Mm-hmm. And also the tongue can be a bit sharp, so the speech. So sometimes mm-hmm. people can feel lonely when they're kind of personable, but people misunderstand them. Mm-hmm. And um, I would I sometimes describe pittas as like, you know, like a sunny side up egg. Happy, happy, you know, natural leaders, naturally born leaders, just because they can analyze things, they're sharp, they can figure it out, you know, and they Mm. use the heat and the burn to process things. So they make natural lawyers, attorneys, um, politicians, policymakers. If they are like my son is Pitta, and my son, like in third grade, was offered some non-organic food in his school and he got up and like gave them a lecture on organic food. (laughs) (laughs) And he's still a leader. He's still still doing things and like that. So I just get out of his way because I thought, oh my God, I've been given a gift. And sometimes the dominant people kind of don't understand their gifts. So my goal always is that, you know, you have this dosha, for example, in your case. And so understand its strengths and understand what can make you weak. So you Mm. stay away from, you know, heating discussions, heating foods, Mm. um, sharp tasting things too much like alcohol. And I'm not saying you have to live like, you know, drinking coconut water for the rest of your life. But you want to know what works for you and what doesn't, right? Yeah. So that's what I teach in details, like, you know, because that's the whole goal of a teacher, a living teacher is to, you know, what I will transmit in 20 days, I take like, you know, a good ear to transmit. So we go into details because then say somebody were to spend that much time understanding their dosha, can you mm-hmm. imagine, like, you would even date people, you know. It's knowing so true. Or, <laughs> you know, or, 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 or go to a job interview and know what are the benefits of your dosha. Yeah. No, seriously. After I learned about the dosha thing, I understood relationships and my inner interactions with people so much better. It yeah. really helped. Yeah. Huh. So interesting. What about over-exercise? I feel like sometimes... Pitta, like I can speak for myself. I feel like sometimes pittas are like, oh, we want to do all this like enterprising exercise. But I, I notice that I really have to balance that out or else it feels like it's too much. Well, now you know, right, that when you are going to be in state of motion, mm-hmm. at some point it's going to start heating up your body. Yeah. And sometimes I've seen pitta dosha dominant people go for a run at like noon or 1 p.m., and I'm right. like, oh God, can you wait till the moon comes out? <laughs> I've met pittas who are so competitive with themselves. Right. So they're setting these goals and they're like, you know, doing the plank and they're doing yoga, competitive yoga, power yoga. And I'm like, calm down now, calm down. <laughs> um, I have this fun story I can share with you and your yeah. little 
which was told to be by my teacher, Baba Yodhyanath from India. And he said that we have to be really skilled in treating different people with different doshas. And he says, and suppose you're a massage therapist, mm-hmm. person who has more wind or motion, the vata dosha person will come. They'll often be late. You'll have to remind them because they'll be scattered. <laughs> And then when they come in, they'll be a bit anxious and you want to like use lots of warm oil and cool and, you know, and warm them and put lots of cushions around them and soften them and relax them and speak in whispers until they calm down and then mm-hmm. they benefit. And then when the Pitta Dosha person's appointment comes, they might be there five minutes before the appointment. <laughs> And they'll ask a lot of sharp questions, but they're not being rude. They just want to know. <laughs> so answer them the questions. And then they'll like, try and control the situation. But that's when you have to like, tell them to relax and let go. And, and you know, and, and, and then when they're all like, you know, so, and maybe use some cooling oils like coconut and sandalwood. And then it's not done. After the oil massage, take them out in the moonlight and give them a, a, give them a necklace of pearls or, or jasmine flowers and give them a sharbat of roses and <laughs> talk to them about surrendering to Divine Mother's will so that they ha- that's going to be the real healing. Because the yeah. real thing happens when their mind lets go okay. of constant heating and converting and transformation, you know. And then thirdly, they said the kapha dosha will come, who's like kind of heavy and slow. And you will ask them, how come you're here? And they'll say, well, my wife sent me. Maybe they have a bit of life. And then, <laughs> and then they'll kind of fall asleep, you know. So <laughs> during the massage, so you'll have to do like, You'd have to like rub them with sand and pebbles and hit them. And then when they wake up from the massage uh, and they're about to smile at you, you have to show them a living snake. And then, and as children, we'd be so surprised and we'd go, but why would we be so cruel? And he goes, no, no, we'll not be cruel because when they see the snake, they're going to jump. And in that jumping, the kapha will get balanced. (laughs) wow wow so interesting so it sounds like for pitta and i think this is something that i figured out on my own and then what happened was ayurveda like confirmed that the lifestyle and dietary choices i was making were appropriate because i was eating a lot of raw food which is very cooling and then really deeply into meditation and stuff to kind of calm that part of me that's always trying to go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Is that something that makes sense for Pitta? Should we be leaning into the other aspect of ourselves, like trying to let go through mindfulness practices? Absolutely. And then, you know, I would urge you to grab a copy of my book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. And I keep yeah. on it because the book is very different from typical books where you take a quiz and then you eat a pitta balancing diet for the rest of your life. But that right. based on the premise that there's something inherently wrong with your pitta. But when mm-hmm. you come to my book, you, which is a traditional way, and I've taken the time to write all that, you're mm-hmm. going to be able to diagnose whether you have a disturbed pitta or a normal pitta. 
normal, but the, all you have to do is celebrate yourself. Okay. You know, but if you have a little, there are symptoms of aggravated pitta. And so for the time that those symptoms exist, you can f- lean in and follow that pitta balancing diet. But in mm. general, you can't change the spots of the leopard, can you? Right, right. Well, we can't really convert you into a sleepy kapha, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just have to. I, I, I lead my students to greater self-acceptance. Dharma. Mm. What is the Pitta's dharma is often to lead. Mm. And, and to be more strategic with your Pitta. That's all. Hmm. So it's more about understanding and acceptance because it's using the tools. Yeah. It's not just you read a book, you diagnose yourself, and off you go for the rest of your life eating a pitta balancing diet that's going to make you the most bored, most unhappy pitta possible. Right. You can't. I read the text, the core text, the scriptures don't suggest a pitta balancing diet box for the rest of your life, which is a great big anomaly forwarded by diluted modern Ayurveda. Yeah. Traditional Ayurveda says eat seasonally. Yes. Nature is bringing to you. You can even enjoy some pitta increasing things like mandarins and, you know, pineapples and sour things and even pungent things as long as your pitta is in balance in the right season. So that requires a little more exploration but the good thing is this knowledge then sets you free yeah and that's something that um i really started to understand too when i talked to Lori about it who's also your student like Mm -hmm. she helped me understand that and then i was like aha now i see why like for instance as the season is changing out of summer i started to feel my vata come out a little bit more and I was like, okay, I need to have warming foods. I need yeah. to eat a little spicy food because it feels better. That's right. That's right. So all my students eat, understand the seasons and then they yeah. understand the rise and fall of doshas. And so for a week here or for a meal, they will take pitta balancing uh, measures, not mm. our lives. Yeah. Hmm. What do you feel is the uh, the greatest thing you've learned so far with how much teaching you've you've done and also all the learning you've done? I think I had seen my grandfather help people and he was curing cancers and ulcers and schizophrenia wow. even and I thought maybe wow. that's because he's like a sadhu maybe because he's a yogi maybe because he's self-realized but then mm. I realized that, no, if there is a science behind this. And then when he gave me that science and then when it was my time to be the yogini and to be the mm. teacher, the same story started swirling around me. And then I realized mm. that the greatest gift is Ayurveda and that it works. Mm. And if we take a little time to understand it right and it doesn't take a very long, like I, like you said, and I confirmed that it's not PhD. Anybody mm. can understand it. An illiterate person can understand it and, right. and start using it. Self-healing is a thing. It's real. And yeah. what Ayurveda does is it just makes the conditions right for that self-healing or that what I call the awakening health model. It activates it. So this has yeah. been the best finding because it reconfirms my soul nature 
to rejuvenate mm. and reinvent myself emotionally and physically re- rejuvenate myself and then to see it happen in an exponential manner through me, through my students like Laurie. It's like, okay, this is repeatable. It's real. Mm. It's a science. It's not a religion. It's not a superstition. Mm-hmm. It's not going to put you in a box for the rest of your life to, mm-hmm. way or to become vegetarian or have to, you know, do anything, but just mm-hmm. have the science behind you. And it really like strengthens you to, it empowers you to face old age, face, different calamities or even face, you know, the pandemic and, um, and, and know that you are at your best karma, Mm. maybe a karmic time for somebody to die. But Mm. most like I have a wide student community worldwide, but by God's grace, it's been several months now. We've not had a single case. And I know what students are doing. They're keeping their doshas in balance. No. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. So amazing. So where can people find you? Where can they find your book, your classes, um, and things about you? Are you online as well? Absolutely. So my book can be found everywhere that books are found, Barnes and Nobles or Amazon or Goodreads, wherever. And just you can put my name there, Acharya Shunya, or you can put Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. And um, my name, I guess you'll put that in your show notes. That's my social media handle. So you can find me on Insta or Facebook. I have a, I even have a private Facebook group for students who want to go even deeper called the Vedic Contemplations, Acharya Shunya's Vedic Contemplations group. So people can find me. I'm everywhere. But man, my website is easy to remember. It's awakenedself.com. And, you know, people will find courses there and things like that. So, yeah. I have a new book coming if I talk about it. It's called The Sovereign Self. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's available on pre-order. And it teaches you about being sovereign in relationships, in our own mind, with our own addictions and habits. Because I felt that the sovereignty is not just power over others, but our inner mastery. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote this other book now, which is being hailed by experts as a masterpiece. And I'm so excited. And I hope that you and my students like Laurie, who's been a guest on your show, everybody gets to read this companion book. For sure. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Sosa. it is time to take some questions from Instagram and email. Remember, if you would like to have your question on the show, all you have to do is send me a DM, slide up in my DMs, respond to the call for questions on my profile at The Raw Girl, or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. The question for today is via email from Rebecca. She says, I recently downloaded some food lists based on my dosha and I'm a bit confused. I eat most of the things on the avoid list, so I'm not sure if that means I have to change my diet entirely. Please help. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks so much for your question. I think we touched on your question in this episode and also in the intro to Ayurveda episode a bit, so go back and listen to that if you missed it. The short answer is 
No, you don't necessarily need to change your diet entirely. The food guides, and I'm not sure where you got the one you're using. I have some that I actually use in my practice too, are usually to help you understand which foods will increase your dosha just so you're aware of what is throwing you technically quote unquote off balance. But it doesn't always mean that doesn't mean that those foods are actually bad because within Ayurveda, you are adjusting the way you're eating also with the seasons. For instance, this episode was about pitta. If you were an actual pitta, you may not feel as great consuming a lot of pitta increasing foods during the pitta season. So like late spring and summer where it's really hot, you're eating a lot of pitta increasing foods, you're going to overheat child. So <laughs> whereas in the winter, it actually will feel great and probably make you feel a little bit more balanced to have a little bit more of those of pitta foods that are um, perhaps on your quote unquote avoid list. So I say all this to say, don't toss out all your favorite foods, listen to your body and pay attention to what's off balance in the seasons and adjust accordingly. And of course, if you need more guidance, reach out and work with a practitioner so you can figure it out. I hope this helps you. All right. It is time to close out the show. Hopefully this show has given you a little bit more insight into the Pitta Dosha and Ayurveda overall. I personally have been greatly impacted by Ayurveda, and even with the minimal knowledge I have, it has helped me understand my body and give me invaluable tools to help me understand my clients. I encourage you to find out your dosha and spend some time learning about it to see how it can help you improve your health. Today, I leave you with this quote from Shunra Krishan. The great thing about Ayurveda is that its treatments always yield side benefits, not side effects. Child, say that again. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at the raw girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. To listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. Mm-hmm.